Happy New Year, one and all. Welcome back to the original Judo podcast. We have been away on, well, a very long hiatus. It's been six months, I think, since the last episode. Been some absolutely fantastic judo going on towards the back end of the year, and we've moved to the start of 2019. Wanted to keep this going, so going to try and get something out um, today about our highlights of the year. Yeah, and the performances of the year for us. I'm talking about us. Joined today, as ever, by uh, Chris Millward. Chris, how are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, James. Good to speak to you again. Um, the, I hope your paternity leave's been uh, been good to you um, over the past six months. Congratulations on the on the birth of Poppy May. Um, I'm sure it's been a whirlwind addition to your life. Thank you very much. Yes, it's been a it's been pretty full on. It's um, yeah, so beautiful new baby. Um, she's amazing. Um, so yeah, but now back back in the saddle, I guess. Uh, have you managed to watch much of the judo over this last year? Well, yeah, I think um, being one of those judo geeks, it's it's hard to hard to avoid it at times. You know, from ten fifteen years ago when there was only maybe eight ten events on the year, and you had to wait for the fighting films videos to the judo based situation that we have now, where there's this tournaments right the way through the year, and you can get full coverage. Um, been able to catch quite a lot with the 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 masters being the last. Um, weekend of judo that I was able to watch um, and then obviously looking forward to Israel in uh, 13 days time Awesome, well um, if you're listening, if you're anything like us, I'm sure over the last few weeks you've enjoyed some rest but you've also missed some some of the amazing judo, I think 2018 has been for me like the exceptional year, there have been so many stories um, and you, you're going to be excited for the for the year ahead as we get a little bit closer to Tokyo qualifying. Talking of the year ahead, there are a couple of awesome articles on the IGF website uh, just uh, about some of the potential highlights going forward. Um, similarly, if you, you check out Judo Inside or Judo Crazy pages, there's some great great stuff on there that I've had to I've had to kind of dig into just to remind me about some of the the fantastic things that have happened this last year. Um, so I guess let's get cracking. So, what anything stand out for you in the last over yeah over the last twelve months that you think has been exceptional? Well, I think I think for me just the rise and rise of the the British women's team really the the strength in depth right the way across the team um, is is just phenomenal. You know, you 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 look at sixty three kilos of um, Alice, Lucy Renshaw, Amy. You know, it's just kind of really growing 57 kilos with Nakoda um, and, and a Chaley representing the Great Britain of the European Championships. That we we look at um, Sally Gemma Howell, which forced the move of Jemima Yeats Brown from going up to from 70s to, to challenge up at 78s and take a fifth place in the World Championships. And then you've got the kind of the, the super elite athletes that we've got in Sally Conway. Nakoda and Natalie maintaining such an elite level and then the growth behind them of the likes of Chelsea Giles, Shelley Ludford and you kind of go, do you know what, this is a real strong, strong team. So I think that for me is the the highlight of, of, of the year, just that the, the continued growth of, of, of that team really. And I think additionally to that, Sarah Adlinson, I think I, 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 you were omitted there, I think um, her 
she, I think she's had a bit of a revival this year. Some of the the results that she's got, some of the throws that she she pulled out of the bag of the of the World Championships, really top top draw. I totally agree. I think that was probably the outstanding performance of her career, and um, that's thrown her into World Fifteen. That, I know World Top that, Fifteen, yeah. which is yeah, yeah it's super exciting. Um, and again, I think I think you're right from a British judo perspective. At the moment, women alone, we've got nine athletes inside the world top twenty, which is just scary. I can't, I can't think of another time in British judo history where we've had so many athletes um, inside, um, or, or mixing it with the, the very, very best players in the world. Absolutely, it kind of, it kind of um, takes us back to the the Roy Inman days, doesn't it? Of the the women's team that that he had, um, you know, I think. When you when you think of the likes of Rendell Bell, Fairbrother, Howie, you know the, the, those players, and now then there was a, a lull for quite a long period, you know, probably from around about I don't know maybe nineteen ninety for five six something around that that region where it started to drop off, those players started to to retire, and then you know it's been a it's been a long wait, but I think it's um, that team is at that level and, and performing consistently. You know, and if the, if one person doesn't take a medal at the Europeans, it's somebody else. Then the person who didn't take the medal at the Europeans goes and takes one of the world championships. You just think, wow, that is pretty, pretty phenomenal. Um, agreed. And initially, I about you know would be able to dissect lots of the individual performances and um, kind of break them down. But again, going on, on what you've said, there were just so so many over the last year. Um, from from the women, from from the nine women, in the world top twenty. Then you've got um, Lulu's world number twenty eight as well. Um, I think Jemima Yates Brown, she's number thirty four, like having just yeah. yeah just moved up. Um, and then you know some of the boys are starting to put in performances as well. So there's strength starting to appear. Ashley on on the men's side of the team, consistent as ever. He's top. 25 in the world top maybe top 15 I think in the world, he's, he's, like he's top 15 um, when I was looking at that from the, the last time I looked I think there was a number of athletes that ahead of him where their country was duplicated so I think a couple of Japanese a okay. couple of um, Uzbeks few Russians you know and I think he ended up if you you know removed it only allowed one of those countries per um, per delegation, if if you will, I think he he looks about eighth, ninth in the world, something like that. Once you start to remove the duplicated countries, um, you know, from a, an Olympic qualification perspective, and then you take the Japanese out of there as well, you know, he's because they they will have automatically qualified in terms of being the host nation. Ashley's going to be quite high up there in the seedings if he can maintain his. Um, performance and I think if you're seeded in the Olympic Games then you know uh, you're going to be in with a good chance you're going to be in with a very good chance and I think what Ashley's proven he's stuck at it and stuck at it and his consistency is really starting to to, to come to fruition at this stage in his career and I think when you mentioned about the, the men I think that's what I'm probably most um, looking forward to this year is to, to see the likes of Max Jamal Fraser, that what really take their opportunities this year and to to push on. Do you think? Do you think 
Jamal's going to get a look in over this next kind of 12 to 18 months in the run into Tokyo. I think. Um, he's, he's the youngest of the three at 90s, but Max and Fraser, I think Max is in that last Olympic qualification spot. Fraser is just outside and he's got three fifth places in um, Grand Prix this year, mm-hmm. which, again, phenomenal. It's a small step. You've got to put yourself in those medal fights to get there. It's a small step now for him to, to, to break it onto the medal rostrum. Uh, will they give Jamal the opportunity? I hope so. I hope so. I think the, they've got to invest in him. I think, you know, if not for Tokyo, um, for Paris, you know, and build on his progression. But as obviously as we get closer to Olympic Games and kind of clarification of who who is likely to, to qualify that the, the spot and take the spot, the the opportunities are going to get fewer and fewer for those who are less in the running, aren't they? Um, but I think he, I think for me, there's enough events in the calendar for all athletes to get to get a shot if they're in contention. I I, I totally agree. I think, um, this time last year, and I'm sure at some point over the the year ahead, we will talk about centralization and who gets funded and who gets for events but we're in an olympic qualifying um period and looking at 90s uh, jamal's obviously still very young he's got so much potential but um max part of the center he gets selected because i think he's top 20 in the world um I'm and not if he sure. has that last olympic qualifying spot he's, he's 24 on the olympic qualifying but Fraser has certainly stepped up this year. You know, he's got three fifth places, as I said. Um, and I think it would be a shame now for him not to get some of those opportunities. Even be it as a, as a self-funded athlete, I think it would be a shame if he didn't get those opportunities to chase that Olympic qualification spot. He can only keep keep putting the pressure on, can't he? He can only keep putting the yeah. pressure on and, and doing what he's been doing in terms of getting the results he's pushed so many high quality players to very very fine margins I think it, as you say it's just a, it, it's so close to breaking through totally um, I don't want to forget any of our uh, the Irish cohort who've, who've all come on the podcast Ben, Megan and, and Nathan again who've had some great performances and Ben still world twelve, I think. Um, he, he fought in the fight in the Masters at the end of the year. He, he fought in the Masters. Um, didn't go well for him. Um, he fought the uh, Estonian, I think, off the top of the head. Um, it, I don't think it was a. It was. It wasn't a positive result for him overall. I think. I think one of the, the things for me, both Lucy Renshaw um, and Ben, both fought in the Masters, having had quite you know significant layoffs, having. Both missed the world, missed the world championship back in September, really. You know, so it was just good to see them back on the mat and and fighting in the tournaments at the highest level. Totally. Any um any uh, international highlights? Any non-British highlights of the year for you? Anything stand out? Well, I, I think for me, um, lauded at forty-eight kilos. I think you know, at such a young age, how phenomenal. You know, she she is doing, um, and I, and I think I think for me that 
from a geo perspective, not on a performance perspective, what the, the, the standout moment of the year um, was the Israelis being able to fight under their own flag um, in the UAE um, tournament in the in the Grand, the Grand Prix. I think, I, without going into political aspects and without you know having casting a, a view with regards to the the Israel and, and situation, I don't know enough about it to go into. But from a sporting perspective, a couple of years ago um, in the Olympic Games we were able to have a match between Israel and Iran, um, which came to its conclusion with a winner in, the, in terms of a match, both getting both fighters onto the mat is a success for judo. And the fact that you know, an athlete is able to compete under their home flag and to, to win the tournament and for their flag to be raised and their national anthem played um, is a significant step forward for, for, for the for the world of judo, really. So I think that was my highlight personally. Um, what about yourself? Highlights and performances and stuff like that. I'd, I'd agree with you there. I think that was a huge moment. Again, like you say, not just compete under their own flag, but you, you had an athlete win the tournament. Was it eighty one? Eighty one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you had the national anthem as well. Uh, but again, it wasn't the only. I guess political uh, issue going on. You had the unified Korean team at the world. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Which, again, is another... It's, it's kind of crazy. If you, 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 you kind of allude to it. Um, Israel, Iran, I think it was the Olympics in 2004 when Miraz Mehli... Refused to fight, yeah. Mir- uh, Miraz Mehli stepping yeah. step onto that as, I think, maybe world champion or something like that, you know, kind of really... Yeah. Well, certainly world medalist and would not not fighting because of the political situation. Yes, a huge steps forward. Um, but otherwise, I'd say the, just the whole the whole world championships, and that it's a bit of a cop out. But you mentioned Belodid, who seventeen, eighteen, youngest ever world champion. Um, you had the the two Abbe okay. siblings, yeah, yeah. Um, both winning. But also, like, um, is it Uta? Uta Abbe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Belodid's the youngest ever champion. Uta Abe's the third youngest ever behind Belodid and, and Tani, I think. You know, so you've got two incredible athletes who are going to be around for a long, long time, you'd hope. They, they've got some, some time ahead of them. And I know, and I know um, obviously, Kamande was injured for a um, significant portion of, of, of last year. As, as you have had a quick quick read on the IGF website and, and look towards that match between Kalmendi and Uterabe next year sometime. Uh, quite I think that'd be exciting, yeah. but to be honest, I'm more excited about. I think Belodid has got the height. She's huge for 48. Incredible. Yeah. At some point, she's gonna step up to 52s, 57s, yeah. maybe. Whether it's a perfect move or not, but can you imagine that match? Abe versus Belodid. Wow. Where do you go in that one? Do you, who do you pick on that? Belodid. Oof. How about it yourself? Um, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna be drawn on it, but I could. I could see that happening this year. I, um, again, Belodid's so big for the weight category. She'll she'll qualify the games at a canter, and I think to get matches, I think she'll probably I might be wrong. She'll probably compete at a higher weight um, just to get matches without having to to, to take the hit on the weight cut. But I imagine, I imagine she's killing herself with the weight cut. Yeah. Well, do you remember um, when um, Iliadis qualified the weights for his cousin to fight at? 
Hundreds. Hundreds, yeah. Was it hundreds or ninety? Yeah. I can't remember. But he, he stepped up. Qualified. Two thousand eight. Yeah. 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 Qualified the way his cousin fought. Again, you know, she could potentially she could have the choice in which division she'd want to go. In. A couple of other highlights, you know, you you, you we talked about Miraz Maley, who was world champion for Iran in two thousand and three. Uh, obviously, you had Malay. Malay, oh, he was on. I, I, I picked him in advance of that tournament. I, I think he is he's one of my favourite judoka at the moment, really. Oh, he's so exciting. You know, I think I think the Iranians are just, they've got an incredible history of grappling arts and, and with regards to wrestling, but also their judoka. You mentioned Miraz Malay. I can think of Sanakani. And uh, before him, you know, and you just look at that quality within the 81 kilos, um, 73 kilos, their middleweight history is is just phenomenal with some incredibly beautiful judo. Totally. I'm going to have to bow to your superior knowledge of the history. My my my, my mind only goes back to about uh, the year 2000. Honestly, the, there's a there's a guy called Sanic Kani. Um, YouTube YouTube is 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 is. Um, some of his throws basically used to do like a, a sticky foot Kosoto into a suplex. It was just fun. It was just incredible judo. Um, world medalist um, had some good tough fights with Randy, but you should see should see some of the the, the judo that he could come out with. Oh, amazing! I'll, I'll definitely go away and have a Google. Um, going back to worlds though, you obviously had your first ever. Spanish male world champion. Yeah. Um, a couple of people retain their titles. Yeah. Um, Clarice and I think the seventy kilo Japan, Japanese girl both kept their titles. Um, and then heavyweights, heavyweight men. Obviously, we had the first world champion who wasn't named Teddy Rinner since twenty ten. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Just kind of shows what his. Um... His legacy will be once he does finally wrap up after Paris 2024. It's in, it's insane the achievements he's had already. I think one of the things you've got to look forward to over the next year. At some point, he has to compete. You know, he he he'll, he'll qualify games easily, um, but he's already said he's not competing at the Worlds. You know, I could he qualify if he if he won two Paris events back to back. I don't, I, I don't know. Does he need to do more than that? Would he want to have a ranking going into it? Would he want to face uh, Toshishvili early on in a tournament if, if the seedings didn't go right for him? I, I don't know. What, what is he going to do over the next year? I, I think he will compete possibly more than we're anticipating. I think there's too much fear that can be generated with ring rust. You know, and mm-hmm. I think if, if he isn't able to step on the mat and fight without fear and fight without hesitation, then, you know, it, it's, you'll find it tough because judo is such a tough, tough sport and it's unforgiving and you have to be on the top of your game um, regardless of it and, and you'll get found wanting. You know, when, when athletes stay away from the mat, the mat then can become a fearful place for them. Um, don't get me wrong, look at his history you just mentioned there, you know, it was, in terms of being world champion since 2010, uh, you know, this guy's not going to be going to be stepping onto the map that fearful. But there will be some doubts, and there will be people like um, such as who are going to give it to him and, and get stuck into him, and, and aren't going to be fearful of, of, of the great Teddy Rinner. 
Who who would you most like to see him come up against? I've got I've got a list of names. Um, obviously, there's Tushish really. For me, I think he I think he beats him fairly convincingly. Yeah. Obviously, they had the close match at the Worlds last year, but then they fought again and um, in one of the early rounds, I think in one of the Grand Slams, and Rina beat him fairly handily. Um, I would still like to see him against Kapalik. The two golden backpacks. Kapalek, so the name that comes yeah. to my lips, to be honest, in terms of um, just giving him something different, being able to match his athletic prowess, being able to put the pressure on, um, and actually having top quality judo to go to go with it as well. You know, similarly, yeah, I, I think I'd like to see that match. I'd like to see him fight um, Hank Groll as well. <laughs> I knew it was going to say again. Uh, very similar. Grow, grow, roll back the years. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I think it was at the Masters, wasn't it? Where he, did he, I think he won the Masters. And I was looking and thinking, when I seen the draw, I thought, grow. Was it Masters or Tokyo? Ah, maybe Tokyo. Sorry, sorry, James. Yeah, one, one or the other. But he, he pulled a great result out. And you just think, wow, you know, he's a naughty player. He's got some, you know, he's got some history. And again, the three Shidos um, to, to Hans Okimaki. I think that's where the likes of Kripalik and, and Grohl will test runner. He's physically, he's a monster. And if, if anyone can physically stand up with Rinner and give him a fight, I would, I would like, I'd like to see that match. Um, the, last, the last person on my list, sure at some point he has to retire, um, is Nidan. I don't, he can't have much left in the bank, uh, much left in the tank. But, but I'd love to see that match. Five foot nothing, Naidan versus seven feet tall, Rinna. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Naidan, Naidan um, took, took issues scalping in Beijing, didn't he? You know, and, he, and you, won, you wonder against somebody like Rinna, would he put, cause him a problem that he's never really faced before? Yeah, I, just the... The sheer size of him, and he is—he's such an intelligent fighter. As as is, is Teddy, you know, he's, can't take anything away from him. He's—he's he's such a smart fighter. He's such a good tactician. Um, I wonder if uh, Nidan would have something that would pose him pose a challenge. I think I think I think that's that's. I think Nidan could throw Rinna, um, which many many can't. You know. Whether Kripalek or Grohl could throw Rinna, I don't know. But I think those two would push him on the, the work rate. And I think that, that would be their strategy to, to overcome him. Really. But I think those are the, the, the matches. As you say, with is Philly. Wow, so explosive. We'll go out there a million miles an hour. Um, but I think Rinna's probably got his number and can hide behind the Kumi cattle and work, work through his work through his judo and take his time. Thanks to Chris for for getting back involved with the show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully we've got some big things um, intended for this year. Let's uh, let's see if some of them can come to fruition. This episode is um, a two-parter, so keep your eyes open for part two in the next week or so. Although um, going on my past record, you you might not want to hold your breath. We are going to try and record shorter episodes this year, so hopefully that's going to help keep them coming a bit more regularly. Anyway, catch you soon.